It's time for the design element segment on Real World Gardener. In the studio, at long last, I've got garden designer Peter Nixon. How are you today, Peter? Very well, thanks, Marion. Isn't it great to be back in the studio? It's great to be back. Haven't been, haven't been doing this for a while, have we? No. Anyway, this is a series called Foliage Colour textual contrast for year-round interest and we are going to explain what that means as well as this first segment is all about the mixed shrub border. So going back to the year-round is interest and the foliage colour and textual contrast because that segues into general lines. Now let's talk about that. Well, not quite, but nearly. So uh, if the premise is, well, I'd like to get some year-round interest, how would I get it? Meaning I wouldn't like to walk out into my garden at any time of the year and find that there was just an homogenous green there of about the same size leaf because that wouldn't give me year-round interest. Everything would just be uh, blend into the same green. So what it implies is foliage colour contrasts and also textural contrasts, those give you year-round interest. And then the seasonal flowering interest comes and goes, but not to rely on that only to make your garden interesting. And what those plants are, are non-general line, not in production numbers. So it does make them more scarce and hard to find, but infinitely more interesting from an ornamental side of things in the garden. And let's talk about what are general lines. Right, so meaning, well, what's a general line then so we can distinguish a non-general line? A general line is often a trade term for production-grown planting. So it's probably three or four different sizes of the same plant. It's fairly limited on a grow list that usually is predicated on the basis that it's the least amount of time to get the plant up to a point of sale. Yeah. Usually at the expense of year-round interest. So mostly, not always, but mostly they don't, or well, the thing that they're lacking is foliage colour and or textural contrast. Because if they had both of those, or even just one of those, they'd probably fall into a non-general line. And that's the kind of plant that you'd find at a plant fair. The non-general line. Yes. In um, And just to make sure that listeners are on the same page, let's talk about examples of general lines. So let's talk Maria, Agapanthus. Oh, Agapanthus, um, Buxus. Buxus. Yes, you're on Mondo the right. Grass. Yes, yes, mm. yes. Yeah, basically, 30 plants from China and a few natives thrown in. Okay. 30 plants. Okay. <laughs> right. The mixed shrub border is still of interest to many gardeners. Yes. Uh, so we're going to talk about non-general lines and the mixed shrub border makes it look interesting all year round. So Yes, yes. So, it, so we commit the whole of the conversation over to perhaps the mixed shrub border, which what is that, first of all? And um, do people even still have that? Because garden space has shrunk, Marion, and... That being the case, mixed shrub borders usually relate to garden space on scale. So acreage or even just an average quarter acre block, who has that anymore? Some people do mm. uh, because of the older suburbs, that's just the way that they were, were subdivided. But new, newer uh, accommodation usually has probably a step out space into a courtyard uh, and or containers, and that is the garden. So... Still to talk about mixed shrub border in terms of a smaller scale, what sort of planting would we be talking about? Well, might go to some of the tibicina, but not the really large growing ones for reasons of compact habits that fit a smaller size garden. So multi-fighter 
would be a good choice because it doesn't exceed a metre and a half. has flowers a bit earlier in the season than most of the tipitinas, which is usually about March. So it comes on from end of January. And then spot flowers all the warm weather until the, night, the cold nights come. It's a typical tipitina flower, but a slightly smaller flower on a short raceme. So it's more like a little bunch. And they cover the whole bush, so in typical tipitina style, very generous. And you'd need to have a fairly sunny aspect for it in a microclimate that was hopefully out of the west of the wind. Anything but south, that would suit a tipitina multifida. Uh, other planting you might rely on for non-general line in the mixture up border. What about hibiscus capitolio apricot sport? Oh, I looked that one up because I didn't know it and I I want it now because it's one of those double flowering, not double petals, but like two layers. It always looks like a little poodle. Yeah. <laughs> like it with a little clipped pom-pom type mm. uh, part of the inflorescence. So being slightly pendulous, it's, a, it's not a compact habit, but it's only a fairly modest... Uh, scale. So we're talking perhaps two and a half metres once it gets going. Um, but that's probably after a fair few years. And it doesn't seem to suffer from that little hibiscus beetle, which gets on most of them. And it's certainly a lot easier to grow than all of the uh, bread and butter plate size Hawaiian hybrids, which have had a lot of the vigour knocked out of them. So this still has hybrid vigour but it's closer to the species so it resists a lot of uh, pests and disease it's fairly predation free doesn't have any scent though if you wanted that you'd have to go to something like Possequaria Possequaria longer fl- longer flora longer folia longer folia no longer flo- uh, lo- oh no sorry longer longer f- longer Fol- flora because the tube that's a, that's a typo <laughs> uh. um, it's uh, longer flora because it's got this long white tube yes and something that I only really realised in the last few years about that flower comes out in, usually it's high spring or into early summer, and the inflorescence is evolved like a little trapeze at the end. And when the pollinator comes, I think it's probably a moth with a very long coil that can get down that long tube. And when it bumps up against the trapeze, the trapeze releases and then that puts pollen on top of the moth's head so it will go to the next flower. Yes, I've seen I've seen it in action when I was propagating plants at the Botanic Gardens Friends Nursery. Okay. We would love to go to that flower and touch it just to make it <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it makes a little fob sound yeah. fob sound yeah. when you touch. Yeah. So that one's got scent as well. It's only fairly uh, fleeting in its flowering season, probably only flowers for a couple of weeks. But it's a, a beautiful scent. And it's quite a nice, um, typical of Rubiaceae, the gardenia family. Mm. Quite a luxurious, lush-looking shrub to around three metres, perhaps a little bit more if they're in the ground for a lot, mm. for 20 years and more. But that's a beautiful shrub for the mixed mix shrub border. Probably put that in anything up to semi-shade. I wouldn't put it in the gloom, but I put it in um, bright light, morning sun. Mm. That would be ideal. Um, what other things could you rely on? Maybe get keeping to the smaller scale, Brunfelsia. Now, most people know yesterday, today and tomorrow, don't they? Yes. But most of those are either Bonadora or Eximia. And there is there are others. Macrantha is a much larger flower and usually comes in high spring as well. But it would be rare to see one more than two metres, probably about a metre and a half. Mm. So for a smaller garden, that would be ideal. If you had a sheltered aspect facing north, 
probably spared from the worst of the heat in the afternoons, unless there was something between it and the west. Doesn't seem to want for anything else and doesn't seem to suffer predation that I've noticed. So that's a, a useful one. Do, doesn't really... Textural interest, foliage colour, not really, but it does have quite a nice uh, gloss, semi-gloss leaf. So it gives you a lush look. Um, in terms of the other ones that we've already mentioned, mm, the, pos the Posiquaria is fairly mid-green as well, but it has a very nice habit. So sometimes you can get interest just because the shrub itself, in this case mixed shrub border, is a nice habit. Um, the hibiscus capitolio apricot sport is open and lax, so you get contrast by habit with that. Uh, and the tipicina we mentioned already, the multifida, that's a, a nice, like uh, if you had a big ball of plasticine and you threw it hard against the wall, it's that shape. Oh. So it's a, like a bun shape, but without having to cut, because the internodes on it are quite short, so it's self-forming. Gee, that's very useful. And the next one you're going to mention, I know as well, is a Cucloptera oblongifolia. Now, the one in the Botanic Gardens is variegated. Is that the one that you're... You can get a variegated Acocanthra hmm. uh, oblongifolia. It's uh, hard to find. That would give you some lift. That's right. Hmm. So you get foliage colour contrast with that against, all the, against other mid-greens. Bushman's Poison, it's often called because it gets that large black fruit on it. Uh, a bit like a an olive. So don't eat that. It's poisonous. Uh, yes, just pick those off. But uh, short of that, oh, it does have a white sap too, which you wouldn't want to put your hand to your face. Mm. But um, short of those, it does have a very scented uh, flower on it as well. It is a fairly mid-green leaf, but it's quite a long pointed leaf. And the habit also is a very, it's a an open lax habit. Oh, is that true with that one? No, it's more upright. Sorry, mm. it's more upright. So if you had a... a narrow space in difficult dry shade thinking what am I going to do I've got nothing I can I've tried many things there and they just keep failing this would be ideal seems to grow in anything from harsh west to uh, bright bright south facing dead south against a building right right well then there's gardenia grandiflora that's quite a large shrub um, not really. Not that really? that one comes from the Japanese archipelago in the very southern part of the islands, and that equates to about the same latitude as us, south of the equator, mm. as they are north of the equator. Yep. It's just called star. It's not a double. It's just a flat, single white flower. It has the same scent as all the other gardenias. But why I like it is because it comes from that latitude, very similar in this case to Sydney, in a Sydney context or um, most of East Coast Australia, really, um, it doesn't suffer from diurnal fluctuation, meaning that the interior leaves drop off and you wind up with a doughnut plant with all of the terminal growth, frizzy growth on the outside and the interior leaves all hollow. Now oh. that happens in spring when the days are quite warm but the nights cool off. And most gardenias, or most of the Augusta group, that's what they're like. They like the temperature to be fairly even over hot the whole of the year. They're not accustomed for the, it to be in shoulder season. No. So it doesn't suffer from that because it comes from a, a little bit cooler um, evolution. Uh, Gardenia grandiflora star. Oh, okay. Gee, that, I think that covers it up. We were going to mention a couple of roses, but let's not because it's... <laughs> we could go on forever. We could go on forever and... Uh, 
we've well and truly run out of time. I even have to probably divide this up into two segments, I think, Peter. I think it'd be churlish not to, Marion. Oh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, it's been lovely having you talking about the mixed shrub border. Once again, Peter, thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure, Marion.